for that, um, Ed will come up to uh, teach us. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Our first reading is Matthew chapter 26, verses 17 to 30, which is on page 996 in the Church Bibles. Matthew 26, 17 to 30. On the first day of the festival of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When Jesus came, sorry, excuse me, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of, Mount of Olives. There are two more readings. The next one is on page 1151 of the Church Bibles. It is 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 to 17. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 to 17. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf we who are many are one body. 
for we all share the one loaf. And the third reading is on the following page, 11.52. And again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 to 34. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, is it not it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and the other gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the bloody, the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is why so many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are been disciplined, so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And when I come, I will give further directions. Good morning. Lovely to see you all. Um, I would love you to uh, turn back to Matthew 26, if that's possible, please, which I think is on page 996. Um, oh, I meant to bring it up with me. Children, there's, 
if, if you would like a sheet to fill in, um, they're on the table on this side in the foyer. Um, maybe, stewards, you might be able to, to wave them around and hand them out to any children that want them. If you stick a hand in the air, we'll get you one of those sheets. Um, and parents, um, I've got something that you're going to need to do with your children afterwards. So children, I'm going to talk about four directions that you need to look. Okay, and afterwards, you need to go up to your parents and tell them what those directions are. So parents, you need to know so that you can check whether they've got them right. All right? Four directions you need to look. Let me ask for God's help as we come to look at his word. Let me pray. How extraordinary it is, almighty God, that we mere creatures can talk to you and can hear from you. And we bow before you this morning as we come to your word again. We pray that you would help us uh, not just to hear the words from you, but that these words might take effect in our lives, that they might train us, correct us, rebuke us. Okay, I've got a, a sort of a bit of a game for you, a task. So if we get this up on the screen. Um, oh, so hang on a second. I'm going to show you. Um, is this up behind me? Is there any chance I could have that screen on, please? Um, yeah, so, oh, yeah, okay. These are the pool rules. Oh, just pulled my mic off. Um, read the pool rules. I'm going to give you just a, a few seconds to read them, and then you're going to have to remember them, okay? I don't know if you can read them. You might use the screens beside you if you're further back. Okay, can we blank those, please? Great. Now, just quietly on your own, I want you just to see if you can add up on your hands how many you can remember. Have a go, all right? Emma, don't worry, don't worry. Let's, um, let's have the next slide up, please. Right, have a look at this one. This time, it's pictures. Right, I'm going to give you a few seconds to look at them. It's the same rules, but pictures this time. Right, let's blank that, please. Right, again, have a go. See how many you can remember. You can chat to the person next to you this time. See between the two of you how many you can get. Okay, um, you may still be going. You can keep playing after the service, okay? Um, so can you stick the next one up, Emma? So isn't it, when you, when you have information that's just in words, 
Um, that's helpful, but when you get a picture as well, that really helps you understand and remember, doesn't it? Did you find it easier second time round to remember some of, the, some of the rules? Having a picture as well really helps you understand. We were thinking last week about the fact that God has given us two rituals, two ordinances, the Lord's Supper and baptism, or baptism and the Lord's Supper, two signs from God. And uh, we looked at baptism last week, and we're looking at the Lord's Supper this week, about why God has given them, uh, how we should use them, and also um, how, they're, how they're connected. But both of these signs really help us to understand and remember what God has done for us in Jesus. Not just words God gives us, but signs, pictures as well. And what we're going to see, actually, is a bit about how they're connected towards the end as well. Baptism is about beginning, showing the way in to a relationship with Jesus, joining the church. Whereas the Lord's Supper is about continuing the way on in your relationship with Jesus, continuing together as church. So baptism is, is about being united to Christ, union with Christ. And the Lord's Supper is about continuing in that relationship, communion with Christ. With a sign, when you look at a sign, you're not supposed to just stare at the sign, are are you? you? It's supposed to make you think about something else or look a different way. Well, as I said to the kids, there's four directions that we're going to look as we think about what the Lord's Supper means. Okay, here's the first one. Look back. Look back. It's about remembrance. So if you're in Matthew 26, we're going to be here in just a moment. Where do you think the Lord's Supper comes from? It's, it's not something man-made. It's not something that just sort of some religious people like to do. No, it's from the Lord Jesus. And so here we are, Matthew 26 and verse 18. Let's see what's going on. So Jesus replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. And so verse 20, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. Here's Jesus with his disciples. They're together around the table celebrating the Passover. If you remember the Passover was this great feast, great celebration where the Israelites remembered their greatest rescue back in history, where God rescued them from the Egyptians. And here is Jesus celebrating this. And the disciples, well, they would have done this every year. They would have known sort of how this goes until Jesus goes off script, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, giving thanks, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do you ever wonder what it was like for one of those disciples sat around that table celebrating when Jesus started to speak like this? They must have thought, what what is Jesus doing? 
And what Jesus was doing as he took the bread and the cup was he was saying, we're celebrating that great rescue in history. Well, this is how you're going to celebrate the great rescue that I am about to bring. It's deliberate, given by Jesus, the Lord's Supper. The Son of Man willingly went, just as it was written. And here is how we are to remember. And so, Jesus picks up the bread. And he says, this bread, as he gave thanks and he broke it, he said, this bread, as you eat it, is to remind you of my body, given for you. And then he picks up the cup, and he says, this cup, as you drink it, all of you, is to remind you of my blood poured out for you, for many, for all believers. And we too, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do after uh, the sermon, we are to remember Remember Jesus' body given, his blood poured out. Remember, he gave his real body. He really was flesh and blood. He gave it for us. He, he took in that body our sin, our failure. And in that body, he bore the punishment that we deserve as he died on the cross. That we might receive that new covenant. The new covenant promises of, of forgiveness, of a new heart, of God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us, of eternal life. In the Lord's Supper, we are supposed to look back to the cross and remember. Remember the cost. This is what it took. So serious was our sin. Remember the willingness of Jesus, the love of the Father. Remember the rescue he brought. Now, it's really important as we think about the Lord's Supper to realize it's about remembering one sacrifice given once in history. It's not, as we share it later, it's not repeating that sacrifice it or, or representing it or re-sacrificing Christ, as some traditions think. Jesus is really clear. Actually, when Luke records Jesus at the Lord's Supper in Luke 22, um, he records Jesus saying this, do this in remembrance of me. Actually, as we had that reading in 1 Corinthians 11, we, we heard again Jesus' words were, do this in remembrance of me. It's about remembering. And it's really important to realize that the bread is just bread. And the cup is just wine, or in our case, uh, grape juice. It doesn't become the body or become the blood of Jesus. It's about remembering the body and the blood. Jesus is speaking symbolically here. And this isn't something odd for Jesus to do. He did it all the time. He said, I'm the gate. I'm the vine. Didn't mean he turned into a gate or a vine. And actually, as we realize that the bread represents his body and the cup represents his blood, 
we need to realize that to get this wrong is no small mistake. Because if we think it's a re-sacrifice, or it really is his body, we are undermining the gospel. The fact that Jesus offered on that cross the one sufficient sacrifice for our sins. The Bible's really clear again and again that we're not saved by taking the Lord's Supper. We're saved only through faith alone, in Jesus alone, and especially in what he achieved in that one moment in history on the cross. That fully sufficient sacrifice to pay for our sins. And so what we do as we celebrate the Lord's Supper is we remember that sacrifice. That doesn't mean that remembering has no effect today. There are different types of remembering. Kids, it's worth you listening to this. You're going to pick up a lesson that's really helpful to learn. You see, I can recall a time that really has no effect on me today. Uh, Recall something that happened, which was what happened was that my mother had a patch with a picture of a Weetabix on it, and she sewed it onto my trousers. I can remember that. It really has no effect on me today, okay? But I can remember why there was a hole in my trousers. That's because I had sat up onto a cooker that was on and burnt a hole in my backside. I can tell you that memory has had deep effect on me. I have never sat on a cooker again, and this was decades ago. The Lord's Supper is not mere memorial. It's not just remembering for remembering's sake. It is remembering that has real effect today because it is a proclamation of the gospel. So as we remember, we reapply the gospel to our lives. And our commitment to our Savior is renewed because we don't just look back. Here's the second way we look. We also look up. Communion with Christ. That word communion, it's the same root word we get community from. So it's about relationship. It's about relating to. So this is personal. And so Jesus here, Matthew 26, did you see in verse 26 towards the end, he says to his disciples, take and eat. Or in verse 27, halfway through, he says, drink from it, all of you. Each of them are to personally receive this. And we do the same personally. And as we receive the bread and the wine, we receive physically, as we receive physically, if we do this with faith in Jesus, we also receive spiritually. Because as we think about Jesus' death in the past, we also enjoy and experience and knew his salvation and forgiveness as we look up to Christ in the present and we commune. Now, that doesn't mean that a believer hasn't already been saved or isn't already forgiven and needs to sort of um, be re-forgiven. No, we were fully forgiven when we first trusted in Jesus. But the Lord's Supper refreshes and strengthens that belief and joy. As we receive again Christ's benefits, 
as we renew again our commitment to the Lord, as we commune with Jesus. The, the word communion actually is found in 1 Corinthians 10. Have a look with me here. So this is page 1151. So page 1151, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm just going to read verse 16. <clears throat> is it not the cup of thanksgiving for which we, is sorry, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? Now that word participation could also be translated communion or fellowship. It's the koinonia word if you're a someone who's interested in the Greek. This is in the middle of an argument about, um, about not eating food sacrificed to idols. But what Paul's saying here in this verse is as you drink the cup physically, as you feed on the bread physically, well, also, really, you are partaking in, communing in, the benefits of Christ's death. And so communing with Christ himself, it really is really relating to the real almighty Son of God. You see, the Lord's Supper, if you like, is a special way to feed our faith. It's not that we receive from God in a different way. No, we always receive from God by faith. But this is a, a special way to encourage that faith. How does it happen? Well, as physical beings, as we touch the bread, as we smell it, as we chew on it, it reminds us. It helps us to believe again that Jesus is real, with a real body. He really died and rose. We really are forgiven. We really do know him. As we smell and drink that cup, we really do know that forgiveness, that washing clean, this new covenant. We look up. But the Lord's Supper, as we look up, is not supposed to be just a private matter or private experience. Here's the third look, okay? We ought to look around because the Lord's Supper is also communion with church. Now, Paul here uses the same word in 1 Corinthians 10 in these verses about communing with Jesus as it does for the church communing with each other. Have a look at verse 17. Paul writes, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake, commune, fellowship of the one loaf. Paul says, because you are one body, you partake, you commune from one loaf. So communion should be done as a church together. It's supposed to be God's family meal together. 
And actually, when you look at uh, chapter 11, um, if you want to flick over the page, the phrase come together comes up over and over. So verse 18, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, or verse 20, when you come together, or verse 33, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat. The Lord's Supper is supposed to be something that is done together. But actually, more than that, see, flick back a page to verse 17 again in chapter 10. Notice what Paul doesn't say. So in verse 17, he doesn't say, you are one body, so there is one loaf, all take from the one loaf. No, look at what he says, verse 17. He starts with the loaf. He says, there is one loaf. This reminds you that you are one body. And so you will eat of the one loaf. The Lord's Supper is supposed to reinforce this togetherness. So as we share the Lord's Supper together later, we ought to look around at each other, celebrate together. Remember, we are God's people together, united in Jesus together. We are to reapply the gospel to ourselves as a body together, renew our commitment to Christ together. Okay, I want you to imagine for a moment that there's a church meal, it's going to happen, okay? And you want to ruin any sense of togetherness. What would you do? Let's have a little think. Sure, there's lots of ways you could do this. Church meal, you want to ruin any sense of togetherness. Children, maybe you're thinking, I'll just throw food at my parents, or I won't eat anything, I'll just make life difficult. How about this, okay? Arrive early, eat all the food, and then get drunk. That would do it, wouldn't it? That's exactly what the Corinthians were doing. Have a look at verse 20 of chapter 11. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper. You eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. What Paul's saying here, I I don't have time to go into all the detail in this passage, but he's saying that although they think they're eating the Lord's Supper, they are not, because they are denying the truth of the Lord's Supper, that Jesus died for his people, the church. They're denying that by ignoring those Christ died for and just doing their own thing. And Paul says it is very serious. Verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Well, verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord. And here, I think it's talking about the church body. 
Anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. It's actually why it's really important for us to check our relationships with other Christians, especially those in our local church, as we come to the Lord's Supper. You see, as we look around, we're supposed to go, oh, is there anyone I need to forgive? Or anyone I need to apologize to and seek forgiveness from before I'm ready to take the family meal? Because the Lord's Supper is not just about Jesus and me. It is an ongoing sign of being God's family together. It's why, very sadly, sometimes... If someone's not believing anymore, we have to remove them from taking the Lord's Supper. Or if someone is living really inconsistently and not living for Jesus and Jesus' people, we have to remove them from the Lord's Supper. In verses 28 to 29, in the context here, it's specifically talking, as we've been thinking about, about relating to other believers. So, verse 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. We, we should stop and think, how are we in our relationships with other believers? Examine that. But I think actually that's, it's fair to take a wider application here too. That each of us have a responsibility to examine ourselves to check if we are eligible generally for the Lord's Supper. Because to take it wrongly is a really serious thing. Do we have a sufficient understanding of what we're really doing? Do we recognize the significance and the seriousness of this sign? The Lord's Supper should cause us to look around. It's communion together, encouraging each other that we belong to Jesus. Here's the fourth look, okay? Look back, look up, look around, and look forward. Hope. What time is it? Anyone able to tell me? Yeah, shout it out. 20 to 12, okay. 20 to 12, are you hungry? Any of you hungry? Yeah, yeah, I see a few hands, okay. Well, don't you worry, there's a meal coming up in about 10 minutes. We're going to have some bread and a drink. A meal. You, you don't think that'll be enough? What, you, you want more? That's not going to fill you? Really? You've got a roast on at home. Oh, right, okay. You're, you're going out for pizza with some friends. Oh, this isn't enough? You want more? The Lord's Supper is a wonderful sign. A wonderful meal. It should cause us to rejoice and glory in Christ. But it should also leave us wanting more. More of Christ. Have a look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord's Supper is temporary. There is more. The best is yet to come. Jesus is coming back. If you told me about the best party you've ever been to, what, what would it involve? Would it be with your family? Would it be with your friends? Would it involve get great games and presents or lovely food? 
Where, where would it be, the greatest party ever? None of those are going to compare with this party. The feast when Jesus comes back and brings him into his father's kingdom. Do you remember back in Matthew, he said to his disciples, I'm not going to celebrate again until I come into my father's kingdom. You see, we ought to look ahead. There is this wonderful hope for the Christian. So four looks. The Lord's Supper should cause us to look back and remember. Look up and commune with Christ. Look around as we commune together and look forward to the hope that we have in Jesus. But who's it for? Who should take it? Who should take part? Well, it's for believers. Since it's about experiencing and remembering anew what we've already received in Christ. There has got to be for those who put their trust in Christ and already received that. And it's about renewing the commitment we've already made to Jesus. It's for believers. It's for believers in real relationships with other believers in the local church. If if you're not committed to a church here or elsewhere, then you need to sort that out before taking it. And if you want to formally commit to us, as Peter mentioned earlier, why not think about membership? I can give you details afterwards. It's for believers, for believers in real relationships with other believers in the local church. And it's for believers who are continuing to repent and trust and live for Jesus. Now, that does not mean we need to be perfect before we share in the Lord's Supper. I was having a conversation with someone a month back, and they were just saying, I'm just not really sure I should take it. I've just had such a bad week, and, you know, this has happened, and that has happened. And the questions you should ask in that situation is, do you love Jesus? Are you trying to live for him? Are you sad when you fail? Well, if that is the case, then this is absolutely for you, because all of us are failures. The Lord's Supper isn't a test about how well we've done. It is a trust in what Jesus has done for us, to forgive us. Who shouldn't take it? Well, those who aren't committed followers of Jesus. If you're here and that's true for you, then I'm just thrilled that you're here. Delighted that you're amongst us. But the Lord's Supper is not for you. It's for those who are already part of God's family. Use it to consider your reaction relationship with Jesus. You see, we'd love you to do what we've done. We'd love you to see the need for you to confess and choose, confess your sin and choose to follow Christ. We'd love you to receive the benefits that we've received through trusting in Christ. And if, if that is you and you're wondering, can I do that? How do I do that? Come and talk to us. We'd love to help you. Who shouldn't take it? Well, those who think it'll save them. Or credit with God. If that's what you think, then you have not sufficiently understood what the Lord's Supper is about. Please don't take it. Only accepting Jesus by faith as your Lord and Savior will save you. Who shouldn't take it? Well, as we thought, those who've fallen out with another believer and haven't tried to repair it. I had a conversation with another person um, a while back, and, and they said, you know, like, 
like we are just not friends anymore. And I have tried, and I have tried, and, and I feel like I can't take the Lord's Supper until this is sorted. And that actually isn't fair. They should take it. They have done all they can to repair that relationship. And so they are welcome to take. Those who should take it, those who shouldn't take it. I, I want to give you one more situation that I want us to consider. And that is for a question for us to think about. That's if, if, you've, if you're a believer and you're not baptized, have you considered the relationship between baptism and the Lord's Supper? You see, if baptism is the initial gospel sign, formally saying, I'm joining Jesus, I belong to him. Well, the Lord's Supper is the ongoing gospel sign, saying, I'm continuing to belong to Jesus. I've joined Jesus. I do belong to him and his people. Have you ever considered that if we take the Lord's Supper and we've not been baptized, that it doesn't really make sense? And actually, it's the official position of, of pretty much all the uh, believing churches down the ages that you should be baptized before you take the Lord's Supper. Do you remember last week I said, like, if baptism, um, if, if you, be, sorry, if you believe and you're not baptized, it's a little bit like being married and not having a wedding day. Well, the Lord's Supper is a little bit like a wedding anniversary. So if you believe, you take the Lord's Supper, but you're not baptized, it's a bit like you are married, celebrating a wedding anniversary, but you've never had the marriage, the wedding day. Um, if you've not thought about this before, that's okay. Do so now. Consider whether you think this is what the Bible teaches. And younger folk, um, if you've not think, thought about this before, can I encourage you, chat with your parents or with me afterwards. The Lord's Supper. A picture, a God-given sign. But you might be there sitting, sitting there thinking, does it really matter? What's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. Because it's about the Son of God who gave himself for you and for me. It's a sign given by God for you and for me. And so we need it. Because we're all prone to forget. Prone to forget what Jesus has done for us. Who we are in Jesus. Our identity. We, we forget. We think, oh, if I'm doing well, we feel proud. If, we, if we're doing badly, we feel despair. Actually, both of those means we've forgotten that Jesus has done it all. Or when we get bitter and angry, well, we've forgotten how much we've been forgiven. Oh, if we just don't really care about others in church, we've forgotten how the Son of Man came to serve us. You see, God has given us not just words, but a picture to help us remember. And this sign is a gospel reminder that should cause us to stop, look back, look up, look around, and look forward as we look again to our Lord and Savior. Let's just pause and then I'll lead us in prayer.
Our gracious God and Father, we praise you for the salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus and in his death for us and by our trust in him. We praise you for it, but we thank you that you're a God who graciously gives us what we need to keep remembering what he has done and to keep living for him. We thank you for this sign given to us to help us to remember, to help us to receive again the wonderful benefits of all he he has done, to to recommit again to you, to do that together as a church and to remind us that there is more ahead. We praise you for your kindness and we ask that even as we receive it shortly, that it would have those deep spiritual effects for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to share the Lord's Supper in just a moment, so we're going to just prepare things here. If you're up in the balcony, can you come and join us uh, down below, please?